0: Can you hear that fing shit going? Sounds like a vacuum cleaner. It's like it's supposed to be a fing
1: recording studio. And I get this shit and I'm paying what? Hello and welcome to Michael and Ivanka's Grand Podcast. Our weekly podcast where two friends who met in the tech industry have a chat about big topics every week and try and untangle them and get their theories across. My name's Michael Forrest.
0: And I'm Ivanka Magic.
1: And this week, guess what we're talking about? Talking about people. People. Which I just love as a title. (laughs) You know, people. You have faith in people, but also people just... Some of the stuff they do, unbelievable. It is. The way they vote, things they think, yeah.
0: things they things say, say,
1: do, expect, you know. So we're just going to talk about people in general.
0: Are we? I've, got, <laughs> I, I, I was, I've, I've been sort of compi- compiling a, a, a bit of a list of people.
1: Ivanka's just <laughs> written a list of people. I was just like, people, generalisation is about people.
0: I've been taking names.
1: Okay, fine. So I'm going to rant about people. Apparently, Ivanka's written a list of people to talk about. So this is going to be a very inconsistent podcast.
0: Um, We're going to talk about two different things, not listen to each other.
1: First, it's been a, been a couple of weeks. It has. What have you got to report?
0: Last Friday was the first Friday where you were doing something, not mm-hmm. me. So <laughs> <'Cause> I, <laughs> I was like, what do I do? I'm at I home. I don't do stuff. And I've got two hours that I normally wouldn't have. What, what can I do? I was quite, quite lost, I was.
1: And what did you do? Um, all sorts. So did you?
0: I did, actually. I have been... I will tell you my story, actually. OK, fine. <laughs> I, you know, I've been doing gyrotonic... I've yeah. been doing gyrotonic with a man called Laurie Booth, who lives here in Brighton. And he's a dancer and choreographer. I've been talking to him about his dance and movement philosophy, and we've been capturing notes. So I tidied up all our notes and took them over to him. And so we've got the foundation of a book. Hmm. Wow. There you go. That's what I did. Look at that. That is a constructive use of your time. I think you'll find Michael Forrest.
1: Any thoughts on uh, space since anything you wish you'd said?
0: I don't know. I did listen back to the episodes and thought they were quite good, actually.
1: My speed of light thing, what I was trying to get across is that going faster than the speed of light is going back in time. That's the crux of it.
0: See, that's why it's just like, it just messes my head. (laughs) That's
1: why you can't do it, because otherwise you'd be going against cause and effect. And if you could go back in time, then all sorts of possibilities open up, don't they?
0: True. One of my rules as a parent that I've set myself is to try and not pass my fears, Mm. my sort of more irrational fears and and foibles onto my child. That's one of Mm. my... Things I'm trying to do, and I was delighted the other day when she did tell me that she would like to be an astronaut so that she could go into space. She said, with her eyes mm. like that, sometimes she wants to be a superhero, and sometimes she wants to, you know, be a dinosaur. <laughs> these so these aren't when... very <laughs> But the, the the point I'm trying to make is that I have yeah. not put her off the idea of being an astronaut. So you didn't immediately burst into tears. I didn't go, Oh my god, you can't go into <laughs> you... i never, never see you again. I didn't Be do more that. afraid. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, well, good. I've got quite a lot, but I was going to try and um, mix it in with the main content since a lot of it is about people.
0: Uh, oh, that is that what um, prompted it, didn't it? Did people annoy you last week when you? <laughs> is that no, no, no. well,
1: no. It was interesting. Like, so I went on the march. Oh, yes, I made, you did. I made my first placard. I was trying to think of something good to put on i decided to do it about an hour before we had to leave and then i sort of got myself into a bit of a tangle trying to think what to write um and including me just kind of lying on the floor going "I and sharon going you've really been a drama queen about this and i was just like i just i just need to think i just i've just got to lie here and think of something one side i put I came up with Brexit solves nothing. Like this idea that it's actually going to improve anything whatsoever, I thought. I kind of wanted that to kind of go, look, this doesn't... I know that you voted for Brexit because you wanted things to change, but Brexit itself is not the answer to any of the problems that anyone is having. So I thought that was quite a good one. And then the other one I put that I was trying to... This was my first attempt was people with no power cannot be to blame to sort of try and fight this thing of, oh, it's immigrants, oh, it's people on the NHS. So It's like, well, it's not them, you can't blame them. But then I kind of started backtracking on that, firstly because I was thinking, oh, well, they're going to be like, oh, well, it's the big wigs in Brussels that are making all the decisions now, that's why we need our sovereignty back. So I was like, OK, well, that probably doesn't... Work. And also, Sharon was like, it's a bit humourless, this... Uh, <laughs> back out, <isn't> it. <laughs> So um, yeah, it is. Yeah, so, yeah. Far. so for so for side two, I I came up. I thought let's just be after a little bit of a lie on the floor and a temper tantrum. I came up with um, cookie warnings, not borders. <laughs> I admit, as a thinker, but I think it's an honest thing. You know, coming from my industry, you know they make us put bloody cookie warnings on websites, which solve nothing really, <laughs> and are a pain in the arse. But I will take that over, you know, not being in the EU any day of the week. One person kind of walked past and went, hey, good one! <laughs> but like,
0: Out of 700,000. I saw a lot
1: of kind of old people squinting at it, trying to make sense of it. Like, what, what's happening here? I don't understand. I didn't have time to like mock up a little cookie warning with accept or anything. So that was my placard. So Sharon and I turned up at the march. She put on her EU flag as a cape. And we yeah, we got in there, marched.
0: Very good. My mother complained that there was too much standing around and not walking. Right. Yeah, not so yeah. much of a march as a shuffle.
1: Yeah, well, that's you know, that's, the that's idea, good
0: though. I suppose.
1: Good sign. I want to start talking about people. Well, maybe I'll just kind of go in with. One of my stories that I think was one of the first things that sort of set me off on this. And it was like, um, well, the first one was just more of a general kind of Brexit voter, like, like leave voter person. We were walking through uh, Leicester Square, walked past some pub on the corner and we heard, traitors! Yeah,
0: I, got traitors! That. I told you
1: that. <laughs> yeah. uh, has That's not my flag! And I just waved the Brexit Solved Nothing sign at them and we sort of, like, walked off, which is fine. Like, I can understand those. like, OK, fine. Like But I, I needed... I had something to sort of go, look, hopefully, maybe they'll read that and maybe they'll think... Uh, well, I don't know, maybe it'll appear in their dream
0: one day. I got the traitor thing and when I was doing leafleting before the referendum, you get these people going, not likely. <laughs> You're like <lying. laughs> Yeah, I don't really know how to engage with you.
1: I saw them sort of like picking up a traffic cone to throw or something. It was like let's just keep moving, you know. I wasn't <laughs> going to get into a conversation with them. They were like they'd been drinking and you know. But then we kind of got up to Soho and I was like I kind of want to walk this song through Soho where there will maybe some more inclusive people, and uh, kind of like got stopped like this guy in the star was it a star and seven. Whatever he wanted to see the sign go, and we were sort of like off duty by then. I had the sign down, I wasn't like waving, I didn't have it sort of over my shoulder anymore. But it was like, oh, so, so. I was like lifted up to show him, and he was like, Cookie warnings. And then when he got it, and then he started sort of going, Oh, well, you know, you you've got and he started I could feel like he was about to tell me that I needed to simplify the message or something like that and kind of kind of, I was like on one hand I was going to be a bit defensive because I'd had my temper tantrum earlier trying to think of anything good to write on, on a card. and on the other level just kind of being like I don't care if it, like we're going to be the audience of this is we're walking through a crowd and like people are going to see it for ages so they'll have time to figure it out or not I, you know um, I don't really care as long as people see the Brexit solves nothing side as well which I think is pretty unambiguous and pretty straightforward, but also kind of like cuts off a lot of reasoning that I think is suspect. But then this other guy came at me from this pub, like a young person. I mean, you could smell the cocaine coming out of his face. It was sort of like he was like, he was sort of, Took my sign off me to sort of hold it and like and he started it was going to start explaining to me and I was like we're, we're the people that need you need to... and I was sort of like no and I just wasn't buying into his premise at all I was like no like, I think he was kind of like gearing up to tell me how it was my fault that Brexit had happened because my I was being too fucking liberal intelligentsia or something and I was sort of like I'm, I'm not listening to this and as I sort of smelled him kind of like coming at me with that stuff I sort of turned it round to go look. This is the simple side. So, but then he w- he was just like he wouldn't fucking let it go. <laughs> but he wouldn't listen. He was just he'd s like made some sort of snap decisions about what i needed explained to me knowing nothing about me and it was sort of pretty offensive but there was a bit of alcohol and definitely some coke involved so i thought well okay if he really does want to talk about it i'll give him like a podcast card <laughs> and i was just like look let's here's here's my podcast let's like email me like once you, you kind of know a bit more about what i'm where i'm coming from and then we sort of turned to walk off and it was like Whoa, what are you, how? Da-? it was like what are you just giving me a- podcast trying to make me listen to your and p- like deeply offended that I would impose any of my opinions on him when all he was doing was like coming at me with opinions and not listening I was like what the actual? like threw the card on the floor and like, I kind of went to- I just kind of picked it up I went flipping heck and like Sharon managed to defuse him by kind of like getting him to admit that he wished he'd gone on the march and hadn't, kind of thing. He was like and then he kinda of went it's like this 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 um people think they just wanna tell you what you're doing right. As soon as you put yourself on the line, as soon as you start doing something, and I feel this with I felt that then, like in real time, but you feel it with like I think any artist that anyone knows about, people that don't do anything fucking sit there they just want to tell you what you're doing wrong even though like in this case there's nothing stopping you making your own sign that's better than mine coming on the march instead of being in the pub all morning i don't understand this this attitude people have where they think like from a position of doing nothing that they have any sort of say in what the people that are trying to do something are doing
0: I don't know if you've ever read that um the man in the arena it's by an american president i think the man in the okay. arena it's a poem and it's well worth a read uh, when i left my last project at brighton and hove council I, I i read it to them in my leaving presentation because whenever you're doing something like that you're absolutely right and it doesn't it's not just artists it's doing a project mm. that might be pushing the boundaries it's introducing any kind of change or progress you're Constantly under attack, and mm. even the people that wish you well will constantly be criticising what you're doing. And and the the man in the arena, I edited it to make it gender non-specific, but I was like, <laughs> the you know, you are the person in the arena. You know, you're the the people on the outside. You're the one sweating and crying and bleeding. And you know, the the people on the outside, they have no right to criticize Mm. you because even if you fail you have done more than not trying and I I, I think for me that is such an important part of my life I can't do nothing and so yeah it's very difficult and I mean you're I didn't understand from your second story if the guy was pro he'd voted leave or remain
1: no, well, he claimed to be a, you know, a Remainer. Obviously. I mean, this was Soho, this was like yeah, central, yeah. you know, he wasn't pro-Brexit or anything, but he was just but like, he's he just on. wanted to fucking explain to me, to my face, when I didn't ask for it and yeah. wouldn't listen to anything I had to say. Just tell me who I am and what I'm doing and how I'm doing it all wrong. Like, yeah. without even a second like of context, he didn't even yeah. turn the sign over. Like, he just, like, looked yeah, at the one yeah, side, yeah. got maybe upset that he didn't immediately understand Stand it <laughs> and like took that as some sort of personal affront and i suddenly i'm responsible for this it's like flipping it. like i'm not talking to you <laughs>
0: <laughs> i have to say though as a woman person yeah that happens to me all the time that okay. is the absolute definition of mansplaining it's okay. like, Excellent. I'm sorry, I'm not going to find out anything about you. I'm going to make a snap judgment on your expertise, your education, your context, your everything. And I am going to tell you what I think. And that is exactly what's happened to me basically for you. And it starts as simple examples of it, like in the lab at uni and I asked some guy how to do something. Like, oh, how do you do it? And he just sat in front of my computer and did it for me. I'm like, well, cheers. <laughs> so, fuck off. And so oh, there is God. that kind of, it's not just that men do it to women. Absolutely not. Mm-hmm. But, um, but it is, it is something I experienced often but it's also something like i phoned up a friend the other day and she st- she started telling me what to think and mm. i was like I, sorry, I can't hear you very well. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, lines breaking. On, oh, fuck, I haven't phoned you just for you to tell me what I think. Thanks. Oh, <laughs> it's that—that that is, I do find it quite frustrating, and I try. To, and I'm sure I do it too. And I try so hard to check myself.
1: It's a horrible feeling when you realise you've done that, yeah. isn't it? Like oh, yeah, when totally. you've kind of gone, oh, sorry, sorry. like <laughs> completely misjudged that. <laughs>
0: like, yeah. I've maybe assumed. I'm doing
1: it all the time and just not realizing it as well. Yeah. I don't know. And, and actually, like, that definitely gives me empathy for the, the feminist cause, like how angry that made me and how long I was thinking about it afterwards. Uh, like, yeah. if that's happening like every day, it's so, like, it's Jesus, like... fuck, men. <laughs>
0: one of the things I try really hard because I've got you know I've got a number of young like I've mentioned before like my cousins are all older than me so their children are kind of grown-up children but still much younger than me and I have these conversations with I try so hard to be like you know not sort of do that you're wrong because you're young and you don't know which I think is you know as bad as you don't know because you're a girl you don't know because you're this mm. blah, blah, blah. and I try go. you're like why do you think this and why do you but then sometimes I'm like like you've got to think <laughs> like, please think please think Please don't assume that you're right all the time. Or and, ask, you or know, ask, find yeah. out. I mean, one of them know? posted something on Facebook the other day that was so obviously bullshit. You know, on a scale of you know, turmeric cures cancer and rub some what coconut sort of oil. What you know, you that it was it was about um, a. It's quite a horrific. A horrible article i've mentioned before the levels of catholicism on in the mm-hmm. former yugoslav countries like croatia and Bosnia, and Herzegovina, particularly heads um so they've quite there's quite this strong pro-life or anti-choice element right. and uh, one of them shared this article that said that sort of aborted fetuses were being used to flavor food okay. and i was like amazing because i let you know i don't i can't pop it's not face to face I don't want her to feel stupid I don't want her to feel attacked I don't want anything I want to approach her position respectfully but I'm like I can't and I many times I I just let it go and then maybe wait till I see them and then talk to them about different things but in this one I just went to Snopes <laughs> just went yeah. and then I sent her the you know a link to the but I did it on a mess on a private message yeah. not responding to her original thing and I was like look just so you know that thing you shared is untrue and here's mm. how untrue it is you are a very clever person don't do stupid things you know I sort of like I said I actually I said we clever people have a responsibility yeah. to be clever not mm. To be idiots, <laughs> right. and she was like, Oh you know she di- i didn't overreg it. I literally mm. just went, clever people should behave cleverly, mm. read this before you share stuff um because you know, I mean, come on, that's unbelievable. You know, that's me- I've, I've yeah. heard
1: something like that. We went to but, uh, John Ronson the other day and see him in the Leicester Square Theatre, and he, I think he might have said something about this fetuses in food thing. Basically, I don't think it was the same. But like, know, Jesus. Well, it's
0: basically the you know how they, often these things there is a grain of, of fact that it gets built on. You know, in medicine, as like they often use a cell from a particular person or a cell from a thing and do testing on the cell. As, right. a, as a way, I mean, I don't know the internet, so I'm not a biologist mm. uh, or biochemist, but they, um, so a cell from some kidney tissue that was from an aborted fetus or something that's been used for, for testing something to do with food, but that's not that those cells are in food it's the in the same you know like if you want to <laughs> if you want to people to not test on bunny rabbits and mice they've got to test on something that mm-hmm. is is gonna we're gonna know if it's gonna poison a human or whatever anyway it's kind of it's one of those things where a misunderstanding of science leads to a well, it's a deliberate misunderstanding of science. Like, like, I don't understand it, but I have enough faith in society, even as it is, to assume that no one's going to be feeding me human remains. <laughs> I think that's pretty fucking illegal, I think. Oh God.
1: And also just, it doesn't seem practical no, from it a business not, perspective.
0: No, really. It's like, I don't want to lie, you know, I don't... It's, and it's very, very hard when you're when you're when you're because belittling is one of the worst things that you can do to somebody it's like yeah yeah, it's like I'm gonna laugh at your idea is just an arsehole thing to do but then sometimes you're like well I just don't know how to talk to you and I think I think in this instance I did I thought quite hard before I did say anything and I I carefully worded things but it's like i don't want her to make you know i don't want to make her feel like she needs to defend herself i just want mm. to sort of do a hey did you know these sorts of websites exist where mm. you can check things <laughs> 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 um but yeah i, I uh and also yeah, well, that's
1: it but that, uh, that I, yeah the subtext of that one is like there are so many abortions happening every day that they're there's enough that they're having to get rid of them somehow. Yeah, it's well, like Jesus. I, I, like, get I some think, perspective,
0: you know, on the on the. I suppose this episode gives us like free way to talk well, about it. it's a good choice, Michael. Um, but one of the things that I ended up then talking to her sister about was the fact that. Um, what I'm always surprised about with her with her you know this anti choice thing she's been doing has been bubbling for a few years, and I just don't see her and i I still th- I think it's a conversation that I'd rather have with her in person, but I'm mm. like I'd never see her share something like you know donate money to starving children in Yemen. You know, can we, mm. can we please dedicate some effort to looking after children that are alive? And why doesn't mm. looking after children that are alive go hand in hand with these sort of anti-choice philosophies? It's like, if you care so much about life, please vote and, and you know, act to preserve it. I, that's do you, think the she's, thing that I, do you
1: think it's misogyny then? Do you think it's just like a, you know...
0: I, d- I don't, I think, I personally think the anti-choice agenda is so much more to do with control and power and nothing Mm. to do with preservation of life whatsoever because the people that extol things like that never ever are doing things like worrying about refugee caravans traveling across you know well yeah I mean I know in the general
1: case sorry I I know in the general case it's misogyny I mean in this particular person do you think Um, she's kind of adopting some internalizing some misogynistic thinking or is it Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah,
0: yeah yeah i mean it's
1: catholicism i suppose that is you know with everything that that entails it's like can you see the the misogyny for the trees you know
0: i don't and i don't really know how to address it because there's other things that she shared that have been to do with um feminism and you know how women this is the thing i can't i can't possibly take it on in a facebook feed it's just Mm, not the appropriate forum
1: Why don't you uh, give us one of your uh, people? That one of my people. I'm well. going
0: gonna, gonna to introduce you to Greta Thunberg, or I hope it's pronounced Thunberg. She deserves to have her name pronounced correctly. She's 15, she's Swedish, and she's a powerhouse of environmental activism. She's been on strike, not going to school. She, I think she doesn't go to school every Friday, but she's basically becoming the voice and the face of the next generations. You know, you're t- you're sending us to school to teach us the science that tells us that the climate is in a catastrophic crisis. And you're not changing your politics. So she's calling for a change to the politics and the way politics works to make the climate crisis, give it the focus that it deserves. So I can share some lovely links to her. Mm. Um, if anybody would make you feel guilty about how little you do <laughs> Greta Thunberg, well. Great, but if we can't cool. all be Greta then we should definitely help Greta wherever we can. But we should
1: tell her how she's doing it wrong
0: We could, we could we could tell her listen <laughs> Greta, first you've got to go to school and then when you grow up and you're a big girl and you've got a degree and you know all the then, and then she's like there's 12 years. Found,
1: once you've found a husband
0: then <laughs> But I look at, I mean those kind people like Greta, I, I'm I'm not gonna, like, inspirational l- l- she's people. She's massively inspirational, and she's younger than me by a long shot. I could easily be her mother without having to have been a teenage pregnant lady. <laughs> and
1: well, something I, um, I do want to just not to diminish anything, but I do. I am going to take any opportunity to fight against this fetishization of how young anyone is, in particular, because I think there's a lot. Not, maybe fetishization is a bad word, but there's a lot of like, and they're only fifty, okay. and they're only no, like, thirty. Right. I don't want that to necessarily have to be part of the conversation i just think because that just makes you kind of feel well, if that helps yeah okay no, but it's yeah it's like
0: <laughs> i think i okay i think in this instant, what makes her impressive is that the level of personal sacrifice right. she's like and i think that's one of the things that i admire and i can't do mm. do you know you know what I, I am not sure that i would ever have been the person that that you know, saved 500 Jewish children in the Second World War and then walked with them into the concentration camp. Do you know what I mean? I'm like, I so do what,
1: what's her, what's made her who she is then? Because often, like, especially when it's someone young, you'll find that there's quite an impressive parent as well. So, like, it well, doesn't often happen uh, well, in I, isolation.
0: I, I have thought about her parents and I admire them for letting her follow her conviction and not Mm. go, no, go to school, do your homework. You can go on climate strike after school (laughs) or, or, you know, you can do that on a Saturday. They are, they you know, they're allowing is possibly... They potentially don't even use those words. In the things I follow on Twitter now, I've seen her around for a few months. She's not, like, come out of nowhere. She's been this you know that obviously in my bubble of twitter and facebook i get a lot of climatey stuff she doesn't have nearly enough followers on twitter considering what she's doing so right. go follow okay. her everybody follow her. uh make her you know give her some give her some support
1: set up a stall at a conference called tech day last week i decided i instead of just sort of like flogging a product that i you know i've got my happiness out that's why they got me down there but i i haven't really touched it for a while and it's kind of doing what it needs to do and i wasn't really i wasn't really that into the idea of just kind of going there and pitching my product so i was and i was trying to think what to do and i had to talk to you about this as well and um But I came up with the idea of like one of my problems recently has been what am I going to I kind of want a five year project to I just want to stick all my eggs in one basket and just really kind of push for something like a, a meaningful social impact company or some product, whatever it is, kind of coming off the back of this podcast as well. So I decided to make it a sort of like brainstorm hack day type thing. I thought, well, maybe I'll bring my computer and sort of do some tapping away and maybe sort of try and put something together, but kind of set up a big post-it note board and just invite people to tell me what they think of the ideas that I've got and what what they're worried about and what their ideas are. So I'm also trying not to slip into my direct spiel that I was giving to people because, yeah, I spoke to a lot of people like and it was it was a very interesting day and it was a sort of very unique for me to just be dealing directly with the public even uh, admittedly like a slightly rarefied kind of tech industry interested public but one by one having these 5 10 15 minute conversations with each person where I'd a lot of the time I'd have to kind of like break through the business oh we do this product and we do services and we do web apps and mobile and bit blockchain and you know the, a lot of them would come in like that and yeah. then i'd be like okay that's fine and i'd sort of like okay that's really interesting what you're doing there what this is about is what about the meaning though what about this stuff why are we doing all these jobs why are we working on this stuff why do we need to make this money like what is at stake here really once you sort of step back what keeps you up at night like and, and actually sort of like breaking through to people's kind of like inner lives a bit more and like finding out what what they were worried about i i am so i had the eu the the un um sustainable goals um, development goals up i kind of printed them on my banner but i picked out uh, mainly because of this the podcast i picked out that here was what i was saying like so i've got some apps that are to do with Good health and well-being. So I've sort of got a couple of those. So I'll put that up because that's something I've been doing. And then, like from this podcast, now I was introducing, saying, look, I've been doing this podcast for a year, and now I'm really trying to find something. Like we've been talking about it, and I'm like okay, I'm, sure I'm really trying to look for something to really kind of sink my teeth into. And uh, so I put up um, climate change and uh, gender equality on there uh, with the caveat that I had absolutely no ideas about gender equality, but I just knew it was important. Some people just kind of wanted to write something on a post-it note and stick it up. Some people just, as the board grew, they would sort of want a plus one, this or that. But what I learned was that... I just came out of it with so many ideas and just realizing that everyone has a different kind of anxiety about something different. So, from um, stuff around taxation and government and saving the bees, education, aging population, particularly in Japan. Like, I spoke to someone from Japan, someone from Uganda talking about Rwanda and like how they need startup help, but they're the first country to refuse. Foreign aid. Now you have to sort of invest properly. I think was what she was saying. Okay. One person's idea was like just merge all consciousness.
0: It's <laughs> <laughs> only a little idea.
1: Yeah, but stuff about empathy and, and like. So one idea I did have from the conversations was, what if we could fix internet comments? I mean, imagine yeah. <laughs> like how many how many mental health issues are caused by the rotten nature of internet comments? And just kind of coming to that conclusion that. People write this horrible trolly stuff because they can't see the other person's face reacting. And the only way to get any sort of response which involves the other person taking to the comment box to start writing a reply, it's write something so inflammatory that it gets reactions. So my little idea was that, well, what if there was a little face in the comments box that started reacting to the content of what you were typing? So like just kind of growing shock as you got more and more racist. But yeah, ideas like that. And then like stuff about consumption, recycling, human connection, self-care. Even one person said, well, can we talk more about what is right in the world? A lot, some people concerned about, you know, buying a house and the tenants' rights and all this kind yeah, of yeah, stuff, yeah. deforestation, that kind of thing. Like, what happens to recycling? And then stuff about the NHS, doctors. The thing is, every idea that I did have when I'd explain it, like my league table for the super rich or my comments box or my post political state or my like, you know, VR and AI and education and for, like VR for old people. I don't know, like any, any idea that I did pitch. I would always get, like, this really positive reaction to. (laughs) Like, I would always get, like, once kind of they got it, I would, like, so I was like, well, I didn't really manage to filter out any ideas because anything I said, like, well, I could do this. First, like, usually in response to what they were, kind of the direction they were going, they're like, oh, yeah, that would be really good. I'm like, okay Right, so still don't know which one, though.
0: (laughs) Uh, uh, I... um... Do, just to add to this, because then we will go slight side story to come back to you to yeah, help yeah. expect. But the um, I I've started my my I've started work this week for the Welcome Trust, which mm. is very interesting. So I'm doing some work, um, some user research for them. But uh, the details of that will possibly tell you about later. But what I was able to do is on Tuesday going see a lunchtime talk at the Wellcome Trust with a yeah. woman called Dr. Diane good which I thought was a fine name, so I remembered it. <laughs> <laughs> that fine Good. Anyway, she was talking about complicated not being the same as complex. And okay. so she talked about the, the three, there's three different things. There's simple, there's complicated, and there's complex. So it goes, uh, you know, making a cake is simple. Putting a rocket into space is complicated. Uh, mm. Raising a child is complex. Right. That's her distinction. And one of the things she was talking about, because she's, she works more in the, in the um, sphere arena of public health, and that's really her position but she was talking about the fact that what and i learned some more language because they talk about basic science and they talk Mm. about other science basic science being uh, you know actual lab tests where you take a cell and do a thing and then there's more complex research and she also talked about uh, gray literature which is i think all the stuff the non-academics write. It's like mm. <laughs> gray literature anyway i think that was the, that was the implied definition to me but anyway what she was talking about is all these problems that we have now in public health you know the obesity epidemic loneliness all these things they are really complex issues mm. and what the complexity of them says so like when trying to choose an app to, to to do like if you pick a thing it's really hard to pick a thing because the minute you you pick a thing, you're you know you're ignoring this whole yeah. area of the complexity and also you don't know that as soon as you change one thing uh, you might be fixing the wrong thing if you yeah. don't understand because it's, it's all i was about to say it's complicated no <laughs> it, uh, it's the complex. The, 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 comple- the world is in a very has a large number of complex problems at the moment yeah. which i think is making it very hard to pick and it made me feel as i was watching this talk i was thinking you know that how i was saying at the beginning it's very you know like to be greta thunberg you have to decide you have to be able to decide that climate is the issue that you care about most deeply? That qu- that quote I told you about the um, the suffragette. Her daughter said, "You know, the biggest strength my mother had was her absolute conviction that women had the right to vote." And you have to have this. One hundred percent conviction in this one line. Yeah. and yeah. I really struggle with that because whenever I look at anything, I'm like, yeah, but, yeah, but yeah, but we've talked
1: about that it's the death of the old you know it's the it's a death, it's a process of you know swallowing. Death, swallowing change, swallowing like okay, limiting of possibilities. And like I, I just remember talking about this last year when I was talking about the cover up for my album. Just I'd been thinking about this for so long that when I finally just finished it, it was like such an emotional moment because suddenly all those other possibilities were just <laughs> gone, gone. And it was yeah. just this one bloody thing, like this one square of images, and that's that that's, yeek, it. I, that's all it is now. It goes yeah, from yeah. being an infinite potential to being like this. Bullshit thing that now exists in the world that no one cares about. Great, you know. So it's sort of um it's tempting to stay in this sort of like, oh, I'm going to decide, or maybe I'll try and do something that does everything. You know, that's not going to yeah, yeah, happen. Yeah, yeah. Like you got to, and yeah. it, it's almost like why I didn't want to pursue physics as well because you you just have to pick one tiny little thing and yeah. spend your life on it, and then maybe it'll become part of something. I, I, I don't know, and I think that's a difference now to say Einstein's time or Newton's time when there was a lot more up for grabs yeah Like uh, that was bigger, yeah, yeah. And now it's all about your niche, and I just struggle with that because it's like,
0: yeah, yeah. So that the uh, the other interesting thing on that topic of you know Einstein's time, my participants in my user research are doctor researchers, highly specialist people, specialised people, and one of them was saying that a lot of things that they're currently looking at in medicine, people discovered in the 1800s it's just that now we can explain it in more granular detail and we have Mm. better experiments and better you know like so so for example somebody in the 1850s might have understood that this part of the brain if it's damaged has some effect on your appetite because basically they went in and poked a rabbit's brain and, you know, do you want to admit that it was very crude? And then now he he's basically in a situation where his, he and his team are working on proving that it's this neuron and this one rather than mm. that area of the brain. So it's kind of, there's much more detail. Yeah.
1: Or similarly, like, sort of in terms of genetics and, like, um, is it Mendel that did knew about natural selection and had experience around that, but didn't know what the, the yeah, engine the, of it was? Yeah. And it was Watson and Crick, the next century, that discovered that, the, you know, DNA and was like, okay, well, this is how it works. And, yeah. and that was still a pretty big one.
0: The contrast of these one talk and one sort of user research interview is this guy's like sitting there really pinpointing and making sure that we know exactly. The problem, but he also was was talking about the fact that really, you know, you don't, you know, we're not going to cure the obesity epidemic by finding which specific gene does a thing because the reasons people are suffering is far more complex than biology. Mm. And I, I was listening to this talk that this woman was giving and I, I've been doing some reading around it. My impression so, the kind of user research I do is from a scientific point of view incredibly slapdash hmm. you know you wouldn't write an academic paper and say well this is how you're going to cure a thing based on the kind of user research that i do or the the, the the depth of it but what i often call the kind of user research i do design research because it has a very specific output the reason we do it is not out of curiosity but because we want to make a thing yeah. we want to make the right thing we want to make sure it works for the people that need to use it so it's like this sort of like looking at some of the recommendations they're making around medical research or scientific research it's like there is a there are a few bits that they could learn from design research in terms of shaping their outputs to make them more actionable and more understood in this so it's quite i mean i've had a really interesting thinky week (laughs) because Mm. i've had so much new stuff going to my head
1: Was, I've been quite enjoying the less the the Guardian guilty feminists from the last yeah
0: couple. yeah and I had did have her on my list Deborah mm. Front, just for an extra bit of. Uh... Because, you know, we don't support the Guilty Feminist podcast enough. No, no, we don't so, mention it enough. <laughs> so so oh, I did think Deborah Francis White deserved a shout out for her ability to combine an absolute desire to be a performing comedian. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, let's um, let's talk about great people, shall we? Great Some more great people, people on Ivanka's list. Or just certainly inspirational people.
0: Yeah, people that you want put, put. Deborah's her.
1: doing pretty well. Deborah's
0: doing very well. Um, I very
1: much enjoyed how she put her finger on the um, notion of including a climate change denier for balance. Yes, yes, like, yes. Like, yes, which was yes. a line in a song I wrote back <laughs> like a couple of years ago. But mask, yeah. I sort of like false equivalency masquerading as balance. So I kind of got into a bit of a rabbit hole with that though, because I was thinking, well, you can put someone that thinks that dr ford was lying about being raped you can have a scientist that is a climate change denier if you have 99 scientists on the panel that aren't but you can't make it half of the panel the only problem with that reasoning is that you by the same token you could exclude like minorities and people that don't get heard but she was saying like history is there for balance yeah yeah. so that helps you decide should i put someone you know a transgender person on this panel for balance yes because they're not often heard yeah. whereas should you put a climate change in den- i don't know maybe they're not maybe you think they're not heard enough
0: no i was talking to this again with uh, one of my relatives about mm. sort of like you and the example i'd use was when we had that conversation about whether or not to include a flat earther in a yeah. you know for balance mm. no This is wrong. There is no balance. This is factually. So it's even like a slightly different to what Deborah Francis White describes with the for balance with the in in the context of rape. And climate change, I think, falls into a category of there is a right and a wrong answer. And. Mm you know it's like I mean this one cousin of mine she studies like theological philosophy or something like that like it's all very there's a lot of catholicness in it and there's a few priests at her university and they're like don't let anyone tell you that the church thinks that the earth is flat (laughs) it's like (laughs) this is you know we are not that is not the world that we live in and so it's that sort of like you know there are some people that are wrong and they do not need to be on a on a a panel but I think when
1: you say you're putting someone on for balance what you are what you actually mean is you're putting someone on for entertainment. Yeah. You want conflict yeah. and entertainment. That's why you're doing it. You you don't care about balance in no. the least. And this is one of the things that makes me most angry about the way the media has been behaving in the last few years, and is really what I think is behind Brexit and Trump, like, really seriously. Like, they put Trump on the telly constantly. Yeah. Um, they put is Nigel funny? Farage on the telly constantly. Yeah, because he's entertaining. Yeah. Don't call it balanced. Don't pretend you're reporting the news when you do that. You're just doing it f- because it's entertaining. You never commented on my Guilty Feminist dodgy dubstep remix. Maybe you never heard it. I don't... I... No. I think you probably listened to the draft and never listened to the episode, so you missed uh, it. Ah, possibly. I did a whole little Guilty Feminist dubstep remix. Thing. Well,
0: on what episode was that? <laughs>
1: it's like a couple ago. I guess I'll try and find it for some, you. Or yeah. well, maybe I'll just throw it here. <laughs> yeah,
0: do it. I was talking to a friend on Monday and he was going, so-and-so's auntie, she's got terrible... Habit of going, well, we used to be able to call it the, you know, the What's It shop <laughs> rather than the, the, uh, and, and, it, and he's like, yeah, we did. And now we know that that was wrong. And it's well, not political correctness gone mad. It had wrong.
1: I had a literal person, at a tech day. Person. I had a literal middle aged man come <laughs> up to me and go, what should we do? Ah, shoot Trump. And I was like, OK, well, and then what? But then he was like, ah, well, uh, yeah, all these uh, millennials now, they're just uh, always complaining. All snowflakes, aren't they? And I was like, oh, what do you mean by that? Well, yeah, they're upset about stuff. Maybe part of that is because we are leaving them a world that is in climate disaster and they can't get jobs and we, we've made a big mess for them. So maybe they have a little bit of right. Yeah, well, you can't say anything these days anymore, can you? There's a woman at work. You can't even say that's a nice jumper. Anymore, or you get going to a tribunal. I was like, you can say that someone is wearing a nice jumper. You can't. You just can't do it with a leer, in a predatory way. In the end, I kind of like. I argued very carefully each point as he kind of reeled off the stuff that everyone says. It's quite strange to be faced with someone like that in the flesh and have to kind of go, look, what you're doing here is you're scapegoating the people with the least power. And that's something we have to stop doing. And like, I will fight you to the death on this subject. All you're doing is furthering a historical marginalization of people that can't stand up for themselves instead of looking to where who is actually causing the problems, which was fun. But, you know,
0: it's difficult.
1: Uh, and I saw someone from our, from LBI, in fact, had posted up this thing about this smug guy with glasses talking about in front of an audience about all the problems with millennials and how they've been coddled too much by their parents and there've been mistakes in their raising and now they're all they all expect to be able to walk into a job and they don't realize that their mum can't phone in and fix it for them and just the absolute like talking down so much and then all these shots of the audience going yeah millennials the older generation realizes that you can't just be overtly racist against people but they'll still sort of be racist about the french or americans they'll kind of still be doing it but in a sort of like oh but they're white so it's okay to say it but it's sort of like well it just kind of moves the goalpost. and now it's like millennials is this kind of casual oh, millennial snowflakes all complaining all the time and think entitlement maybe they're frustrated after eight months being in a job that doesn't seem to have any meaning is because it doesn't have any meaning mm. right <laughs> not because they're entitled snowflakes and they're just maybe a little bit, know a bit more than you knew at their age because of the internet. Like, because, well, not that's necessarily reading, but like, you know what I mean? Like, I think to kind of like level this, yeah, millennials being a scapegoat for anything is pretty offensive, just as, as you know, anything else like.
0: Oh, women, can't say anything these yeah, days. Yeah, yeah, I got I, I can't remember if I told you the story of bumping into my mum's neighbour. Mm-hmm. So he's in his 80s. I can't actually remember all the stories he told me, but there was plenty of, you know, oh, I, I think women should be able to drive a car. I mean, and if they can drive a car, then they can vote, can't they? <laughs> <laughs> good, good logic. Nice one, Bob. Uh, <laughs> but, but, but he was uh, doing moments, I think there's a certain point where you, there's no point explaining it. Like, you know, do you yeah, know, like, Well, oh. I think
1: I was kind of, I, you know, that's why, like, I sort of wanted to do a little video where I kind of responded to each of this smug Git's uh, comments about millennials and just, like, just kind of put it out there and just maybe the same people will see it but yeah like in terms of millennials like i had you telling me about your mentoring experience like fresh in my mind so i was going well that's just a grotesque generalization isn't it like there's a lot of motivated people
0: Got her on my list, <laughs> but the actual organizer of that Think Nation thing, Lizzie Hodgson, mm. she's somebody that's got some dedication, power behind. She's just like a force propelling the Think Nation idea forward, mm. which is very impressive too. It's funny how my brain
1: is going this way more and more. Like the thing about kind of calling out individual people, yeah. since this is about people and not about one person, it's like People, we do have this thing where we want to get one person and raise them up and kind of sanctify them. And, uh, and I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but what I really like about Mark Maron's podcast is he always gets the context around these successful people's lives and he finds out that they, you know, they had a particularly privileged upbringing this way or they had supportive parents this way. Once in a while, they'll have had parents that didn't want them to do what they were doing, but yeah. they managed it despite them. But I think no one does anything alone and I just I know I personally fall into the trap of thinking I've got to do something alone and um, no one even the most you know Gandhi is a product of something and I think it's worth asking the question of how did that how did Lizzie Hodgson get to be The person that is confident enough to try and do something like this. I would quite like to understand that, even if it's just to make an excuse for why I haven't done it. Or just, I don't know, I just want to humanise people that are just amazingly impressive all the time. I want to humanise Albert Einstein. I want to humanise Newton, because otherwise I'm just like, well, I can't can't do anything then. And I I know it sounds like I just want to kind of take people down. That's not necessarily It's just like I want to it's just narcissism at the end of the day I just want to feel like I'm not quite as shit as, as all that
0: and I think that's true of this is what I what I was saying earlier about I don't think I would ever be that person but we don't all need to be that person number one number two if there's anything in it all the things we've been talking about it's about sort of how complex it all is how somebody yeah. becomes that person is a conversation that I had yesterday that came out of me thinking about that talk I saw on Tuesday was the fact that What makes solving world problems so difficult is, you know, like the number one part of the complexity comes from the fact that we are each of us completely unique. We are completely unique in our DNA, our set of friends, our family, the food we ate, the road we walked down, everything that's made me the person I am today in this moment is unique to me Mm. and so finding solutions that are going to work for a mass you know even to the things like the way i make lifestyle changes to be i don't know climate friendly or trying to be like an activist in my own life the way i can Mm. make those choices or have made those choices maybe i want to encourage other people to do them but to impose on somebody the idea that they would behave the same as me, or even to be, you know, I can, I really admire Lizzie Hodgson and what she's done, and I really admire Greta Thunberg and mm. all these other people, but they're not me. Part of me maybe. Why can't I be more like them? And then I think, well, I can't be like them. I'm not them. But how can I help them mm. be even if they're willing to put themselves out there like that? What can I do to help them be even better or yeah, even bigger? Yeah, well,
1: that's because you're, yeah, you're. I, I, whereas I'm like, I want to be. Talk, thought about in those terms, as well as doing a million other things. Which, well, what I haven't done anything towards that. So, but no, certainly in terms of your everyone's unique. I mean, if that that was definitely hammered home by my Tech Day experience of just yeah. just realizing like there's no patterns here. And the more people yeah. I talk to, the more variety I get. And it's like, okay, well, I guess this does have to come from me, from my experiences, from what I am driven by. And, and but something. I think the
0: pattern is that everyone's worried <laughs> you know yeah, well, that's the pattern
1: if you if you probe them <laughs> well if, if you go far look. enough
0: away like they're, they're, everyone's mm. worried but their 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 articulation of their worry is slightly different it's like depending on mm. what, what you know what's bothering me today and well, you so know, background what they've seen yeah what they see what they know about i do think that some things that help us feel like we're moving forward in however small the steps Mm. um regardless of what area it's in you know would be beneficial to everybody these like social media platforms as well they're all centered around the projection of what you've done and what you're they're not really about what you added to anything they're just how well you present it it's a showing off platform not a doing things together platform
1: This is um, something I I was just thinking this morning about the EU. I suppose they haven't invested that heavily in communicating everything they're doing to the public at large. So all the public knows about is bendy bananas and, you know, three things. Whereas, uh, But, like, it would obviously add a massive overhead if the EU also had to make massive marketing campaigns explaining all the benefits that they were providing the, 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 the communities that voted to leave it's a separate thing to the actual work but like now we're discovering well maybe they should have put a little bit more effort into communicating what they were doing but then you know then you see the bill for that people whinge about that but at least they'll know that it was for a reason it's it's tricky it's like people if they you can't see what's been done then you don't know
0: i think somebody in all the tech world of campaigning pro europe has actually built uh what has europe done for me Mm-hmm. Website or something, or yeah. app or something. That's an aside. That's not really an answer to your point. And then separately, there's also this thing. I think that, um, why do I need to know everything? Like, what happened <laughs> to a bit of trust? Do you wow. know? Like, on the one hand, yes, question your government, argue in the dudud these structures, and and query them, and hold them to cat. But then, at the on the other hand, it's like. I don't have capacity to worry about whether everybody is doing their job properly. I've been thinking about this in the context of this kind of experts thing where people yeah. are perfectly willing to go to doctors, you know, they've got cancer, they want to go and see a cancer doctor, but a, a, but an article comes out published by scientists that says, you know, you've got 12 years it's not even an article, a report that says we've got 12 years to avoid catastrophe. And everyone goes, oh, yeah, but, you know, next week they'll be saying something else, won't they? And the, and the minister, that woman minister, the the fracking minister, I'm going to call her because I can't remember her name, mm. was on telly. And I don't listen to it. I don't have the news on telly very often. But the day that came out, she was there going. Uh, they were saying, you know, it advises people to eat less meat. She said, we're not a nanny state. We're not going to be telling. telling. Telling people that they can't have steak and chips for dinner if they want it. Hmm. Like, no, actually, you should be. That is your job. Your job is to preserve the planet. You and leave it up to them to with.
1: decide whether to ignore you. But I've been thinking about that in terms of the five-a-day thing. It's like, it's not your job to water it down. It's your job to state it in those un- uncertain yeah. terms because people are perfectly capable of disavowing <laughs> the stuff you tell them. <laughs> what about the smokings Like, people still smoke, even though you tell them that it's going to yeah. kill them whenever they pick up the packet. Like, it's not your job to water down the message, and that no. is very irresponsible.
0: The, the woman on Tuesday, this Dr. Feingold, she said um, part of the problem as well is the way they communicate output of scientific studies so it's like one week coffee's bad for you next week coffee's not bad for you and it's just like kind of that irresponsible lazy she didn't use these words at all but that sort of like uh (laughs) that that sort of reporting on science that makes undermines the science Because, Mm. you know, actually, if you do a study around coffee with one population with a certain set of factors that you haven't considered the complexity of them sufficiently and you get one set of findings and you're going to do the same study somewhere else with this factor that you don't understand yet, because you haven't understood the complexity. You get a different answer and both answers are right, but maybe not for the reasons that people think they are. Um, anyway, Maybe these
1: journalists should say at what the, the consensus is rather than here's one report that says the opposite. Of, yeah. You know, it's like you need to kind of like put it in context of the wider field of knowledge rather than just going, this is the new thing and the old stuff is wrong now. Because like, yeah, yeah. undermining
0: really. science is not helping us at all. It's madness. So it, it,
1: I had to come to this for whatever life history reasons, this realisation myself of that trust at a certain point has to be a decision when you know a certain amount you just have to decide because when you look at it in absolute terms there is no amount of evidence that can prove to you that someone else is trustworthy that someone else will never make a mistake will never be wrong but for you know for the entire of hu- human history that's just been it's sort of like happened naturally and it hasn't been like the mainstream that evidence that tells you that people might not be right people in power might be wrong the transparency has never been there to this level that people have evidence that goes against anything you care to say it's possible to find some evidence that kind of says the opposite so if people don't realize that trust doesn't just you can't expect it in this day and age to come to you always on an emotional internal level and sometimes you've actually got to Like consciously, you know, weigh the facts, weigh that, balance it, and go. Okay, well, this person did make a mistake, but in general, I think they know what they're doing. Yeah. Because we think trust is this sort of absolute thing, and if someone makes one mistake, they're kind of like on the, you know, on the. Although that's that's we're kind of coming past that, and Trump people are sort of like reacting to that sort of thing as well, and you get Trump. It's like I think if people kind of understood that it was. Sometimes it has to be a decision, and it's not something that's just going to happen automatically anymore because of the the sort of information density of our experience. It's a technological thing. I think it's an information age thing. Rob Ryan's this artist that does these sort of very intricate paper-cut things, but I bought some of his tape, he's got this tape and it's got it's this green tape, I used it to tape up my banner and it says, ''Believe in people.'' It says, ''Listen to the world, believe in people.'' And uh, I, I've always, I've always had faith in people, even though maybe emotionally th- that's hard, I've always thought, ''No, I kind of always wanted to give people the benefit of the doubt and have faith in them.'' Um, and it really was this Brexit situation that made me go, oh God, can I have faith in people? Right? And I would really like to have that faith in people again and find it again. Um, rather than the alternative, which is to, to kind of just embrace this us versus them mentality that's really coming from the other side, if <laughs> that's not an oxymoron. Um, how can we get back that faith in humanity, that faith in people that inside, even though they're, I don't know, is it patronising to say everyone's confused? Probably. But frankly there's too much to deal with and it is probably a bit too much but can we maintain faith that people will ultimately do the right thing? Maybe it's just that a lot of the bad things people are doing and thinking is because they're not faced with somebody that they can empathise with and if we can kind of, in, you know, increase how much empathy people
0: experience, I, I, that those human instincts will kind of take over again. I love people. People are do such wonderful things for each other and we should spend more time. One of your ideas on your post notes is, right, we should find out, we should spend more time talking about lots of the good things that people do. I had quite a good conversation yesterday with my young cousin. And she and I were talking about, you know, what makes me look at a homeless person and think, how do I help this person? And somebody else look at the homeless person and go, can we move this homeless person, please? And the common thread has got to be empathy. And I think anything we can do to increase empathy for other humans is got to be a, 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 a plus. Because we've
1: got to get everyone on the same team again.
0: Yeah, that everyone's got to understand that it's only when we're all well that we're all well.
1: I just gave me a little head rush. We've got to get everyone back on the same team. How do we get people on the same team again?
0: We're, we're team humans on yeah. planet Earth.
1: For listening. Thank you for listening. If you like the podcast, go to grandpodcast.com and have a poke around, listen to some more episodes, or just subscribe in your app. Where can people find you, Ivanka?
0: <laughs> people can find me at Ivanka on Twitter.
1: They can find me at MichaelForrestmusic.com and all the music on this I made. Um, and what if people want to would they uh, would they could they do to help?
0: Uh, what you could do to help is you could subscribe, subscribe friends, write some reviews. Reviews are very helpful. Share links on your Facebooks and your Twitters and, you know, write to people. Say, hi, how are you? And then say, have you listened to this amazing podcast?
1: And include a link.
0: You know, get in touch with people you haven't seen for a while.
1: Have conversations, like open up the conversations, open up that meaning conversation and then you'll probably end up like thinking of something and you'd be, oh, oh, someone on this podcast was saying this and, and that might get them. That was something mm-hmm. I did, like tech day it was like, when do I, Sharon was like, you're pushing the podcast. I was like, well but it did tend to come up one way or another and then I generally kind of got people to take a card and I was like, well, on the podcast we talk about this like <laughs> this <the first> time. <laughs> But yeah, just finding the right way to put it I wasn't, it was naturally coming into the conversation because this stuff is important to me and, and I was setting the conversation so you know, I was able to do it but don't Maybe do it to someone coked out of his mind in a pub who's trying to tell you what you're doing wrong and now it's your fault. Brexit's your fault. Yeah. Um, or at least until he's come down a bit and you can kind of have a face a human conversation. <laughs> Includes empathy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and you can email us hello at grandpodcast.com. Yeah, that's always you a want good to say idea. Anything
0: because we actually read those emails because we get so few. <laughs> we do we don't get we hardly get any emails. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Thank you very much for listening. And see you next time. Bye.
1: Bye. Bye. Bye.